Well, Pastor Mark has been involved in a wonderful series recently that we've been going through called Breakthrough. And we've been talking about how we can break through into, from some of our problems and some of the things going on in our lives to victories. And I'm going to close that out today. He asked me to finish it today. This will be the last of the series. And I'm calling it a breakthrough from problems to praise. So what I want to talk to you about today is how you and I can move not simply from the problem, but into praise. Do you realize what true praise of God really is? True praise is the conviction in the heart of a believer that God is the one who really matters. You see, true praise is a recognition and a declaration that God's all I need. When we praise him, we praise him for who he is. It's not what he does, but who he is that causes the praise to spring from our hearts. We begin to know him. And as they were singing, it's not just the healing we want, it's the healer we want. We want to come into a deeper relationship with him. And we want to move out of ourselves into him. We want to experience him. See, the blessings of God are good. The gifts of God are good. The benefits of God are good, but God is better. God himself is better. And when we come to that place where we really praise him, it's when we experience his presence, his power, and we're not coming to receive, we're coming simply to him. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. And that's how we move from our problems. That's how we break through into praise. And I want to share with you an example of a, of a man who did that. He was a prophet of God. He has a strange sounding name. You may have never heard of it. His name is Habakkuk. And there's a whole book in the, in the Old Testament that he wrote. It's only three chapters long. And his name is only mentioned twice in all of Scripture. And that's in that little book called Habakkuk. And in that little book, he makes the journey from the wilderness of his own failures and his own sins and his own frustrations and his own anger with God, finally to that place where he can praise and glorify God. And that's my prayer for me and for you today, that you and I will take the journey with that prophet today, that we will move with Habakkuk from our problems and from our own failures and our own sins and our own frustrations and our own misunderstandings of God to that place where we can see him as he really is, the God of greatness and power who really cares about us. You see, Habakkuk lived in a day much like ours in some ways, not modern like ours, but it was a day of violence. It was a day of strife and difficulty. It was a day of war and rumor of war. It was a time in which the people of Judah had drifted far from God and they were not really in, interested in walking with him. Israel as a nation had already been taken captive by an enemy and most of the people had been transported to that other country. And now Judah faces, the Judah which was the country of, of Habakkuk faced even more difficult problems if they did not turn back to God. But in the midst of all that was going on, this one man experienced a breakthrough. So whatever's happening in your family, whatever's happening in your job situation, 
whatever is happening in your environment, whatever is happening around you, is not enough to keep you from having a breakthrough if you want to. Follow me and the prophet as he has his. Notice first, breakthrough begins when we bring our problems to God. Now that sounds so simple. Bring your problems to God. Tell God about your problems. We talk about that a lot as, as believers, but most of us don't really do that. When we have problems, we go to someone else, or we, or we hide them in our hearts, or we hold them to ourselves, or we just complain. But the prophet had some serious concerns, some problems. Notice what he said in Habakkuk 1, 2. How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen or cry out to you. Can you identify with the prophet? How long have you prayed about something and where's God? He doesn't seem to care. He seems to be indifferent. See, he shows God's indifference here. At least that's what he thinks. It seems to him God is indifferent. Of course, he isn't, but it seems that way. It seems that way to me sometimes. I pray about something. I pray about a burden on my heart. I pray about a friend. I pray about a loved one. And I don't get an answer. And no answer seems to come. And I wait and I wait. Where's God? That was his question. But he brought it to God. He was honest. See, God knew his heart. Some of us think, well, if I don't tell God how I'm really feeling, how angry I really am, how upset with him I really am, he won't know. Of course he knows. He knows all about us and he loves us anyway. It's interesting, he mentions cry, that he was crying out to God. The word cry here is literally the word scream. Habakkuk said, there are times when, God, I scream at you. Have you ever screamed at God? Well, if you haven't, you're unusual because sometimes we just want to scream and express the deepest, deepest hurts of our hearts to him. And he also questioned the evil that was going on all around him. Listen to verse 3 of chapter 1. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing, God? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Judah was in the middle of a mess. The good people were being destroyed by evil people and those who were ungodly were prospering and those who were godly were seemingly being hurt and violence was everywhere six times in this little book he speaks about violence but well, we know something about that we know how violent that life can be in america today innocent people killed innocent people suffering we experienced it right down the road from us a few days ago at Santa Fe High School when 10 people were killed, 10 innocent people just going about their daily lives. Their lives were destroyed just like that. Others were hurt. We live in a day like that when nobody's safe anywhere anymore, it seems. And we say, God, where are you? why don't you do something about this? And sometimes it's hard for us to understand. But God gave an answer to the prophet Habakkuk. But it was a bigger problem. The answer was a bigger problem than the first problem. Because God said, here's what I'm going to do, Habakkuk. I'm going to send the Babylonians. And they're going to come down and they're going to 
destroy your country and take many of you captive. Listen to how God puts it in verse 6. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people. The Babylonians were known for their cruelty. They were known for the fact that it was nothing for them to destroy, to kill, to ravage. And they were the worst people on the face of the earth. And the prophet says, well, God, I know, I know Judah is evil. I know that we've committed a lot of sins, but we're not near as bad as these people. And you're going to send them down to straighten us out? That makes no sense to me, God, that you would use someone 10 times worse than we are to straighten us out. But you see, God said, I'll deal with them too. Don't worry about it. See, God has ways we don't understand. God says, I will bring you back. But at this moment, judgment needs to come. The prophet was confused. But the prophet brought his problems to God. His anger, his misunderstandings, his confusion. The second thing that happens when we have a breakthrough from our problems to praise is we not only bring our problems to God, but we listen for God to speak. Listen to the second verse, uh, first verse of chapter 2. The prophet says, I will stand at my watch and station myself in the ramparts. I will look to see what God will say to me. If you and I really want answers, we have to get alone and wait for God to speak. Some of us are so busy, we're so hurried, we're so rushed. We have a schedule that's big enough and fast enough for three or four people. We've got to stop sometime. Years ago, I heard somebody say, well, stop the world and let me get off for a while. That's almost what we need to do. We need to have some time with God. If you want to hear God speak, you're not going to hear him in the noise around you as much as you're going to hear him in the quiet place when you take some time to listen. That's why Psalm 46 reminds us, be still and know that I am God. Stop. Stop. Another translation says stop striving, cease striving, and just stop and listen and let me speak to you. You see, God's trying to say to the prophet, I know you don't understand what I'm doing, and I, don't, I know you can't figure this out, but I'm, I'm, I'm on the throne. I'm in control. You don't have to worry. And I know you can't feel it, and I know you can't see it, and that's the way it is with many of us today. Well, where is God? God, why don't you do something in this situation? Why don't you heal me? Why don't you save my friend from their sins who is destroying themselves and their family? Why don't you bring my wayward boy or girl back? from that place where they are and we're praying and we can't feel God's in control and we can't see that he's in control but he is in control listen to what he says in verse 5 of chapter 1 I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe so we've got to take God seriously and let him show us what he wants to do God gave to the prophet several things he gave him first a statement to believe he gave him a promise to receive and he gave him a command to obey look at those with me and they will move us toward praise first he said in hebrews 2 4 i'm sorry habakkuk 2 4 the righteous person 
will live by faith. Now, in contrast with the Babylonians, in contrast with the people of Judah, in contrast with most of the people around him, God said, if you want to be right with me, if you want to have my righteousness come to cover your sins, you have to do it by faith. You have to come in simple faith. This verse is so strategically important that it is quoted three different times in three different books in the New Testament. This is a key verse. The righteous shall live by faith, not by sight, not by what they feel, but by faith. Faith is trusting God, believing that God will do what he says he will do, taking him at his word and letting him work. Martin Luther was a priest, and he had a great hunger to be right with God. And so he did everything that his church told him to do. And he tried everything, for they said, if you do that, you'll be okay. But he didn't feel okay. He knew he wasn't right with God. And he tried to do everything he could do. He worked his way to do right things and good things and God's things. And he, he tried to do all the good things he could do, but still he knew he was not right with God. And finally one day as he was reading scripture, he read this verse, the righteous person will live by faith and the Holy Spirit clicked the truth into his heart. Yes, that's it. I, I just have to surrender myself. I just have to let go of myself. It's not what I can do. It's what Christ has done on the cross. I have to accept his payment for my sins, and I will become and can be what he wants me to be. You see, that's God's statement to us today. The righteous live by faith. But there's the promise. He gave a promise in verse 14 for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. There's coming a time, God said to the prophet, when God is going to be in total control. Every knee's going to bow to Christ. Every tongue's going to confess. I will be in control. Everything will be perfect. There's coming that day, God said, and it's coming. It still hasn't come, but it's coming. I was reading, my wife and I were reading in the book of Zechariah this morning, and we read about when God talked about that day and how amazing it's going to be. And it all hinges on Jesus coming again, and the Lord himself's going to descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first, and those of us who are alive will be caught up to meet him in the air, and then we'll come back with him to rule and reign on planet earth, reigning over heaven, reigning over earth. What a day it's going to be when the knowledge of God and his glory is like the waters that cover the sea. And then there was a challenge that God gave. Verse 20 of chapter 2, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Stop complaining Habakkuk, God was saying, I'm on the throne. Be quiet and just let me speak and let me work. I'll bring it to pass eventually. You just need to trust me. You see, sometimes we just need to recognize what I can't see, what I can't feel, what I can't have assurance of with my senses is true. You see, there things are not like they seem to be. We can't see the spiritual world at work. We can't see the angels around us. We can't see God moving 
through countries and nations and governors and princes and premiers and all kinds of ways. God, we can't see God taking evil people and bringing good out of it. But God is at work. So quiet yourself and let him work. And then the third thing that happened was the breakthrough that when he brought his problems to God, when he listened for God to speak, it culminated in praise that was based on faith in God. First he prayed. Notice the prayer. Verse 2, chapter 3. Lord, I have heard of you, of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God, I've read about you. I've read about you in the books of Moses. I've read how you opened up the Red Sea and let your people walk across on dry ground. Then you closed it up back on the Egyptian soldiers and most of them were destroyed. I, I read about, Lord, how you had a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day to guide them to the land of promise. I've read about how you sent them manna from heaven to eat and quail to satisfy their hungers. Lord, I've read about your mighty deeds. Do it again. Do it again. We need you to do it again. One of the songs we sang this morning talked about do it again. This God who moves the mountains, he can do it again. You say, well, I, I've been praying about this and nothing's happened. Keep praying, just trusting him. And he can do it again. He can bring to pass things you did not even have an imagination big enough to subscribe to. In fact, the scripture says, in wrath, remember mercy. So praise God, not out of fear, but out of faith. No matter what happens, whether it's the good, the bad, or the ugly that's going on, just trust him. Notice what the prophet did as he moved from bringing his problems to God, listening to God speak and believing what God said, and then in the midst of the terrible days that are coming, here's what he says. This is one of the greatest statements of faith <clears throat> ever uttered. <clears throat> Though the fig tree does not bud, and though there are no grapes on the vines, and though the, 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 the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, that though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice, I will be joyful in God my Savior. That's as if we said in our day, though the stock market collapses, though there are no jobs to be found, though there are no food, there are no, there are no groceries on the shelves at the store, though everything's falling apart, I will rejoice in the Lord my God and my Savior. That's what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4. From a prison cell he wrote to the Philippian believers. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. What an amazing statement of faith. Then he moves on. Rely on God, he says. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me have feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. The Lord is my strength. Not that he gives me strength. He is my strength. That's what Nehemiah said. He was trying to build a wall later in Jerusalem after they came back from this destruction that had happened and all kinds of enemies 
were against him, but he said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You see, the joy of the Lord is not necessarily something that is emotional. It can be without emotion. It can be that deep and abiding reality deep inside your being that God's on his throne. He is in control. I'm trusting him. Things are not going well, but I know he loves me and cares for me. This is the word Moses spoke when he said, the Lord is my strength and my song and my salvation. That's what the psalmist said in Psalm 46 when he said, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Paul expressed it too when he said, I can do all things through him who infuses his power into me. Is the Lord your strength today? Is his joy your strength? Is he your refuge and strength? Is he your song and your salvation? You see, if you try to sing the world's tune, you're going to be off key. If you try to follow the people around you and their ways, you're going to be discouraged. If you try to fit into society by perfectly being accepted, you're going to be sad and you're going to be unhappy. But if you say, my song comes from him. My joy comes from him. See, he doesn't change. He's always the same. He says he makes my feet like the feet of the mountain deer. You see, the mountain deer was a special kind of deer. It could walk. Its hoofs were so made that it could walk on the slickest rocks. It could walk up the steepest hills. It, it had an ability to get to the heights where it was safe from the hunters. And, and the prey that wanted to kill it. And he's saying here, we're, we, have, we can be like the mountain deer. We can tread the heights. You see, we and I, you and I can be above our problems even in the midst of them. Did you hear about the guy? Somebody said, well, how are you doing today, Joe? He said, well, I'm doing pretty good under the circumstances. Well, they, you see, we shouldn't be under the circumstances if we're children of God. We should be above the circumstances, trusting Christ. You want breakthrough today? You can have it. Let me warn you. You can't have it if you try to bargain with God. See, most of us say, well, God, I'll get right with you, and I'll trust you if you will do this and this and this. God says, no deal. Just trust me. We say, Lord, if you'll get me out of this mess in my finances, I'll tithe. I'll give you 10% of my income. And God says, no deal, you tithe. We say, God, if you'll, if you'll do this for my family or for my friend or for my loved one, I'll do this for you. And God says, no deal. God says, trust me. Now, that doesn't mean he may not do any of those things. It just means that we have to come to him for him. We come to the healer not just for healing. We come to the giver, not just for getting something from him. We come to the Savior, not just for the saving. We come to him because of who he is, unconditional surrender.